0: Welcome back once again to the Endurance Hour Podcast, episode 329. So glad to have you with us. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you're a long-time listener, welcome back. Alongside Wendy Mater, I'm Dave Erickson. Uh, we've got a special guest interview this week based on a Skype consult. Wendy, introduce who we're about to hear from here in just a few minutes.
1: So I had the pleasure of speaking with Bradley. He purchased our Couch to Ironman Iron plan. It's a 32-week plan. He's training for Ironman Cozumel this year, which is in November, and so he contacted me, or I might have contacted him, to set up a time that he could ask me anything about the plan, anything about triathlon related. Um, this will be his first Ironman, so it was really fun getting to know him and questions he had, and definitely I like to um, add these to our podcast because I think you know when one athlete has a question. Numerous athletes probably have the same questions, so I hope you learn something um, from the conversation we
0: had. And again, Bradley uh, purchased the Couch to Ironman plan, and you can get any of our plans that are on Training Peaks. that's where all our plans are, with a 33% off discount code of the retail price by going to endurancehour.com slash 33%. Apply that code to checkout, and you'll save uh, quite a bit of money on the plan and these plans all include videos before every major training block, in addition to, of course, the plan itself and other uh, supplementary links to educational uh, information and videos. So use that code on Training Peaks. The new 3030 Club group is opening up, and new sessions are beginning the first of the month. So you can sign up now to join the 3030 Club. So if you're looking for some support, guidance. Uh, an accountability coach and partner on a daily basis, please sign up now before February 1st. Go to endurancehour.com slash 3030club. And you can choose between a number of five different programs, strength and conditioning. So if you want to work on um, a lot of movements using dumbbells or your body weight, you can do that. What we do is we send you a new workout every day to your phone. It's a 30-minute workout every day. With a video intro and text follow-up, you can also choose between a bike-run combo, which my wife is doing for the second month in a row, a bike-only, run-only, or a swim-only plan. So 30 days of a very focused, intense, eh, intense based on your effort, of, of strength and conditioning or cardio. So sign up now to get involved before the next session begins. Endurancehour.com slash 3030club. All the details are there to sign up. Sign up early. We only take 20 new athletes each month. So sign up quickly. All right, here's our one-on-one with Bradley who's getting ready for his uh, big Ironman of 2020.
2: I, I guess the biggest uh, interest points for me are mindset and nutrition. Okay. Since I, I so a little bit of my background, I went through and I did a half Ironman uh, here in Austin. Uh, years ago, mm-hmm. and like I had my bike broke during the whole thing, like, terrible experience.
1: Your bike broke, so
2: but I muscled it out. Yeah, I couldn't, uh, so my shifter, my left shifter uh, for the bigger gears gummed up, and I couldn't downshift. So, and like my area is real hilly, uh-huh. so it's just worst experience. So, you were stuck in the so big chain I- ring. Yeah, pretty much the entire race.
1: That happened to me in Chattanooga last year, Ironman Chattanooga at about mile, um, fifty about mile sixty fifty to sixty. My um yeah my um shifter broke, and so I was stuck in the big chain ring, and 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 it was a very fairly rolling hill section of the course, and I thought, well, I'll just stop at the next aid station, or maybe a mechanical guy will come. Yeah. And I didn't think it was a big deal until 10 or 15 miles later. And at that point, the only way to shift was to like lean over on my arrow bars and hold the shifter in place. And then oh, as, soon, wow. as I, and soon as I released it, it went back into that big gear. And I I struggled. My back, lower back was hurting. I struggled. Yeah. I struggled the rest of the way wanting to quit like five times, at least five times. Oh, I'm yeah. like, I'm done. I'm so done. And then what kept me going was I was really looking forward to the marathon. So I'm like, no, you got to finish so you can run that marathon. But that was probably one of the toughest. I've been doing this for 28 years, a sport. But that was probably oh, one of my sure. toughest experiences is having to ride in that gear. So I get yeah. it.
2: Yeah, I I was literally going up like a pretty steep hill. And I looked to the pedestrians and I'm like, they're going faster than me walking. I'm uh-huh. like, I should just unclip and walk up. Like that's how bad it was. It was just, it was so disheartening too. Uh-huh. But yeah, the, the quit thought definitely passed through my mind multiple times. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, stuff like that happens. I mean, I think, uh, what I've learned over yeah. the years is always to expect the unexpected and what do you, how can you expect the unexpected? Cause you've never had it happen to you, but you, you listen to people like me who, who has had things happen that you wouldn't think would happen like a broken chain yeah. during a race. Um, so I think it's, I think it's good to experience those type of things, issues, um, just to learn how to overcome them. And I don't know, issues like that in the moment, um, are not satisfying, but to over, but to overcome them, um, drives me to say, okay, I want to do this event again and I want to. I yeah. want to see what would happen if if I can ride the course like everyone else could have rode the course, and I don't know those kind of things just keep driving me to keep going.
2: Yeah, I actually had the same exact thought, but then apparently they stopped doing the uh, half iron in Austin, so I was like, "Well, there goes that." Right.
1: <laughs> so remind me, what trace did you sign up yeah, no. Uh,
2: um, I'm gonna sign up for uh, what is it, Cozumel? Yeah, Cosmel. Okay. I always yeah. get those two mixed up. Yeah, uh, next college year. College. I just gotta wait for the. Yeah, I just gotta wait for the uh, uh, entry to open. Mm-hmm. Since it, I think it happens this. Oh, now since it's you know the first this month at some time. I think um, like yeah. midway through the month. I know it's close um, to Thanksgiving. Yeah,
1: they usually open. Um, okay, so they have different registrations. This is a good. This is a good, actually a good question. They actually for Ironman mm-hmm. and seventy point three. They have different. Registration processes. So they open up registration. I believe the day before the race to participate to current participants. So anyone Uh, who's participating in 2019 gets to register first, which is which is weird because a lot of these people have never done one, and how do they know they want to do it again? And then I believe the day after an Ironman, they open registration up to the volunteers, so they get the next you know dibs on on signing up and then i believe they open it up to everyone else maybe monday the monday after the race some races Mm. wait um, but most ironmans will open up the monday after the race i've never known cozumel to fill up so it's not like something like ironman arizona or, or the more popular races that could fill up within the same day after after yeah. general registration opens. And the reason now they fill up so fast is because they open it up in levels and let people sign up before the general registration. So that's a big reason why they they could fill up fairly quickly because they're already half full yeah. when, when it opens.
2: Yeah, I hit that with uh, Ironman Canada. Mm-hmm. I was going to try to do that one and I kept checking the registration. I was like, this can't be full. This is like the only one I've seen that, you know, was full full. Right. So... That's why I had to switch, which works out. I'm getting married next year. So, and the heavier training won't be to the end of the year or like late summer. So I'm like, oh, that'll work out.
1: Well, congratulations. Good, good place to honeymoon.
2: Yeah. 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 It'll be, it'll be fun for sure. I know she'll make me go on another honeymoon, but (laughs) we're going to do a lot of like next year. Well, good. So cool.
1: So have you had a chance to look at the plan at all?
2: I haven't yet. No, I just I looked at the heavier training uh, days, or you know, basically the hours mm-hmm. to see, and I was like, oh, this is going to be totally acceptable, or I mean, not too too bad. Luckily, I work from home, mm-hmm. so training those you know long time doesn't really affect me.
1: Oh, good. What do you, what do, you do for work?
2: Uh, I'm a software engineer.
1: Okay, nice. So what, what made you purchase this part, The, um, it was the couch to Ironman, right? The 32 week plan.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, the right amount of time. It wasn't like super heavy loaded from what I've seen. And, uh, your experience doing this as a bit be- between being an athlete and a coach, I was like, Oh, okay. I can kind of get behind this a little bit more than some of the other plans. Right. It right. seemed it's your, your, your plan seemed more thought out.
1: Well, good. Thank you. They definitely were. And one reason I created this particular couch to Ironman, it's and again, it is for anyone, but I did create it because um, an athlete, I don't know, two years ago, contacted me and said, I just did my first Ironman and I want to talk to a coach about it. And so we did an interview, we did a Skype, and he told me about his experiences as a first time triathlete doing an Ironman and all the things he learned. (laughs) And it was like, bam, a light bulb went on. And I'm like, there's a lot of people out there like you who have no experience in the, in the multi-sport who want to do an Ironman. So let's create something based on, you know, my experiences, my years of coaching and package something up for that, that fairly new athlete who's doesn't have much experience. So um, I hope it works yeah. out well for you.
2: Yeah, I, I'm sure it will. I, I've had, I got one season under my belt, so that's, that's not too, too bad. <laughs> Before I was like, no, nope. you know, the bike, the bike breaking really did it to me. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, I, oh, I understand. I understand. Um, so as you're thinking about preparing, you want to think about, you know, I don't know if you've thought about, um, racing, you know, B races, C races, less important races as a build up to Cozumel. You know, I, I include them within the plan, but obviously, where I include them in the plan may not fall on a on a on a weekend that a race is offered or that you can participate in a race. So that's something you want to just you know, if possible, start planning now. Um, you have a lot of time as a as a lead up. You know, getting into some half marathons possibly a marathon if you if Mm -hmm. you were thinking you wanted to do a marathon which I I usually don't recommend one but if someone wants to run a marathon if your race isn't not till November you have plenty of time now you have a year if you were going to do a marathon Mm -hmm. do one maybe six months from now so you you train for an event six months from November which puts you at Let's just say April, off the top of my head, I can't think that much. And then you recover. You have plenty of time to recover from that marathon, and then you start your build up to Cozumel or or the Ironman that you're going to do. And you have, um, you have this running fitness because you've trained for a marathon as you start that new plan. So that's something to consider because you have time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's uh, there's one here in town, uh, the Austin Marathon, mm-hmm. and it's like almost four months to the day away. Right. And I was like, well, that was pretty easy to train for, but it is super early in the like long term training season. Yeah. So I was like, mm.
1: you know, it's a it's a possibility. So normally, I was- normally, <laughs> normally, people don't give themselves that much time. They're usually they're like, okay, I have a, a, an Ironman in six months. What should I do? I would say, don't do a marathon if you only have six months, because yeah. it takes you away training for a marathon while training for an iron man all within you know a six to nine month period takes you away from the bike and the swim training
0: mm-hmm.
1: because most people who are going to train for a marathon are going to focus on running um myself included i've only really focused on running two times in my life where i i focused on mm-hmm. just a marathon my body doesn't like that so I'm finally told myself, if you're ever going to like train to really excel in just the marathon, I have to do the multi-sport training. I have to continue to train like I do for a half or a full Ironman. I have to include that biking. I have to include that swimming. And I have to just include the minimal amount of running that I, that my body can handle to complete the marathon. And I think I would Mm -hmm. actually do pretty well. (laughs) So everyone's a little different.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I've. I've ran multiple marathons and like now I'm trying to do like a build up with all the you know multi support stuff Uh and while I'm trying to like stay on top of my running. And it's all adds into each other because my running's gotten substantially better because my lungs are stronger from the swimming and the bike well from the swimming really and the biking, my legs are so much stronger to push. It's kinda it's interesting. I I cranked out ten miles. Last Saturday mm-hmm. at, at like a little sub nine-minute pace, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually pretty easy. And I and I stopped because I was just, I hit my target, not right. because I was tired.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. It's like,
2: right. oh, man, and doing something a little bit better this time.
1: <laughs> and that's important not to, again, not to do too much too soon. But definitely, I think people mm-hmm. yeah. um, don't value how much swim aerobic fitness will enhance the multi-sport athlete just focusing on swimming for those who can actually swim and have decent technique. I know there's a lot of triathletes out there who never necessarily do a swim-focused um, phase of training because they're weaker, their technique isn't quite um, as it should be, and they just struggle in the water. So they're like, what's the point? Well, the point is you know, the more time you're in the water, the more comfortable you're going to get. You're going to be able to get the technique you need. And then it's just going to build up that bigger volume of aerobic fitness that enhances um, the endurance multi-sport athlete for sure.
2: Yeah, that's I'm actually quite lucky. I really enjoy the swimming and I love open water swimming, even though like here in Texas, it's like that real muddy brackish water. Uh So I train in like a, um, a level where you can barely see, you know, the tips of your fingers. Right. So anytime I like swim in anything clear, it's like oh this is way easier on the nerves and everything. So, yeah, totally. but my my personal weakest one is biking. So that's that's what I'm gonna have to do a lot more, um, just training rides I guess and real technique stuff. Like uh, I just bought a new bike, and uh, I'm gonna go get fitted this month and everything like that. So. To, <laughs> make sure this time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think the bike, um, fitness or the bike fit is a, is a, is a wealth while investment in time Mm -hmm. as well as money. And I say in time because it, it could take time to fit your bike. You could get this professional fit, ride on it for a few months, realize something's off. Maybe you have a leg length discrepancy that you didn't know you had when you first got the fit, so you're gonna have to maybe re-dial it in, get some shims in your cleats, something to to balance out that leg length discrepancy. This is something that happened to me, that's why I'm talking about it. Oh, and gotcha. <laughs> um, and you know maybe you find another financial investment to find another bike fitter. Like maybe you go to a bike fitter that you trust and knows what he's doing, but for some reason it's not working out for you. Maybe you're gonna have to find someone else it's definitely something that's worthwhile to take the time and the money to get dialed in properly. And it just Mm -hmm. takes time. I'm someone who I, I rode for 16 years on a road bike. I raced on my road bike. It fit me. Um, I was dialed in. I put some arrow bars on it. So when I got my first tri bike, it took me one, two, three, four, four different triathlon frames and multiple, numerous fits to finally feel like I have a tri-bike that works for me Um, because I'm still a fan of my road bike and I I still ride my, what is it, 10, it's 11 years old. I still ride my 11-year-old road bike because it just works for me. And I I pull out the tri-bike when I'm in the race, like build, race preparation. When I'm like, okay, I'm ready to race. I should ride my tri-bike a few weeks before I actually um, do my event.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's my nice. story. Yeah, that's,
2: like... oh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. I'm just a road bike with some aero bars. Uh-huh. So it'll be, it'll be okay. It's a, it's a little less of an investment. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, if I keep doing the sport longer then sure, you know, for the tri bike, those things are so expensive.
1: <laughs> right. And the only reason I got one is the sponsorship. Getting on a team, getting a little bit of a discount. I I don't know how people pay full price for those, but not me for sure, not me. Um, so yes, (laughs) it could be done. Um, triathlons can be done on a road bike. Whether no matter what a triathlete's going to tell you, it can be done on a road bike.
2: Yeah.
1: So how's your swimming? So
2: um, oh, it's fine. I mean. Like, I guess to put it in perspective, I can usually crank out about a 1,600 and like 31 minutes. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, good. So
2: not too, too bad. Mm -mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I really concentrated on, well, I'm kind of a a nerd when it comes to like watching videos and techniques and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I really had to, and plus I uh, busted both my shoulders, like weightlifting, Mm -hmm. like years ago, so I have lingering, like... Issues with that, so I had to go to like a physical therapist and like learn how to like swim accordingly. So it's like I won't, you know, rub my shoulder wrong or whatever the proper, you know, term is. So it's it's not too bad, but I think it, I can definitely improve just by you know being more in the water. So.
1: Oh, absolutely! And you know, we offer free swim analysis. So if you happen to get a video of you in the pool, maybe maybe about four minutes long, someone walking. Um, Mm -hmm. on the side of the pool with maybe your smartphone is best to get some video clip. And if you wanted to send it to me, um, before, you know, well, anytime, but before you really get into the plan, you can do that and we can give you some tips, um, to kind of start you off, right. Work on your technique limiters, making sure you're doing the proper drills and not just doing drills for the sake of doing (laughs) drills, but you're doing specific drills that will help you enhance your swimming economy and, um, kind of giving you that free speed, that um we so desire by proper yes. technique.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the gliding is always nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome.
1: And same with running. If you had someone filming you on the treadmill, treadmill's best because mm-hmm. you're stationary, you're not running away from the camera. Some people send me videos, they're running away from the camera and I can't see much. Um, or they're running across the camera. If they keep running across the camera that, in slow motion, that might work. But treadmill's best. I can get a side view, front view, back view. I can analyze your um, your run cadence, your foot strike, your your posture. Those are the three mm-hmm. main things I'm looking at. Again, just to make sure you're starting off on the right track, um, especially if you ever start to feel an, a niggle, a, an injury, something's tight, the hip, the knee, um, is you, the hip knees calves are usually the things that could be prevented injury prevention through proper running form? That's where it starts,
2: yeah. Oh, for sure. I'm actually quite fortunate too. My fiance is a physical therapist.
1: Oh, yeah, you had mentioned that. Good,
2: yeah. So she helps with a lot of the biomechanic stuff too.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
2: So, yeah, yeah, super lucky. <laughs> Um,, uh, my question is, how do you, um, like with mindset and stuff, stay motivated after all these like long like training seasons and stuff like that? Because, I mean, we all have to be a little bit special with all these like endurance training,
1: yeah. um I, I think I've been I think the mental side of training for me, I think that's one of my strengths. Um, I coach a team in Istanbul, Turkey, and those athletes call me the mental Band-Aid. I like that term. Um, my mental strength just comes from my years of being a um, age group swimmer, collegiate swimmer, entering the sport of triathlon. <clears throat> um, having maybe I, I told some of this the other day, I don't think I've ever been burned out, but now that I'm thinking back into my my high school swimming days, I think I did hit a area, a stage of burnout, uh, my sophomore year. I wasn't performing well at all, and my coach made me take three months off and join the track team. And so that kind of started my running was that forced, um, break from swimming and having to be a runner. And then all of a sudden all these injuries started to happen because my heart and lungs were always in shape, but my musculature for running was not, but I'm glad I had those experiences. So when I started triathlon after my freshman year in college, I had that running background already, but I think having that strong why it's always about the why it always comes back to your why the reason you're doing it, um, has to be stronger then, or your desire to do it whatever reason desire your why has to be stronger than your desire not to do it so when you're having those moments of uh turning the alarm off turning the alarm on snooze not wanting to get up not wanting to get the workout done in the morning because that's the only chance you have mm-hmm. or 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 taking a lunch break because that's the only chance you have to work out or in the evening when you get off work um Always, I mean, there are going to be times where you are just going to skip it and say, it's just not happening today. Um, I always like to use a 10-minute rule. Like if you don't feel like doing a workout, just start, give yourself 10 minutes. And if you still don't want to do it, stop. There's no sense in pushing through something that you're not mentally or physically into because that could lead to injury or burnout. But when you're having those moments, just remember the reason you're doing it. You know, um, it's not a big deal to skip a workout here and there. I like to recommend, you know, try to always get at least eighty percent of your weekly plan training in. Try to hit that eighty percent or higher number. But I always follow like that eighty twenty rule for anything. Eat eighty percent healthy, twenty percent unhealthy. You know that kind of thing. Um, but the why, the why, it always comes back to the why. People ask me that all the time. How do you stay motivated? And you know, my my why right now. I am still competitive with myself more than anything, but it is definitely for my mental and physical well being. It's it's sometimes mm-hmm. difficult for me to have those years where I mentally want to crush it because mentally that takes a different type of training. If I'm if I'm going after an Ironman Qual or just wanting to crush my competition or or reach my own personal goal, that training is different than just training for mental and physical well being. And so I, I, I had a year this year, my, my main race was Boston. I did that in April and then I really didn't have another goal event. Um, I did some races, but nothing that really drove me to want to be competitive. Like I have been in the past and because of it, um, now I'm getting that competitive. You know, I, I missed the bike fitness I had last year. I miss, um, I really, again, I just missed my bike fitness because I put kind of biking fitness on hold while I focused on running. So it's good to have, you know, I have different years. Some years I spoke focus on sprints. Some years I focus on Ironman. Some years I focus on running. Some years I focus on cycling or, or seasons or months. Um, I think that's why I can keep doing <laughs> this 28 years later is because I know I like the physical activity m- more than anything for mm. mental and physical well-being but I also know what it's like to be competitive because I was a competitive athlete my whole life as a swimmer. So yeah, focus on your why.
2: Awesome. Yeah.
1: Long, long story.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great.
1: What else? I think you said nutritional questions.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's always a big grab bag of like, because it's like, so I did like strict. Uh, not paleo, um, ketogenic for a while while I was, I, because I trans I, I went from doing all this endurance stuff to uh-huh. just hardcore working, thing. And now I'm kind of circling back because right. I, I, I was literally running with my uh, workout buddy uh-huh. and he beat me and I'm like, you're not a runner and yet you're outrunning me. I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, he- So that's and with this endurance stuff, I've been like playing around with my diet, eating more carbs before like long runs and stuff. And it it for me personally, it's been making a huge difference. So and I find that when you're actually concentrating a little bit, well, concentrating on nutrition, it stops you know cramping, you have more energy and stuff like that. And I'm just curious on like somebody that's been doing it for you know so long, (laughs) how how you would structure yours in, you know, round sense because nutrition is all hyper-personal.
1: Yeah. Nutrition is definitely hyper-personal. Um, I've always been a carb fan. Um, <clears throat> but you know, when I started, I was a processed carb fan, you know, the, the, the sugary products, the white flour products, you know, like pasta, white rice, stuff like that. Because when I started, who, who knew, you know, there was really, nothing out there there wasn't coaching available there wasn't all there wasn't internet you know there wasn't this stuff that could be overwhelming Um, social media you're in different Facebook groups you're getting all this knowledge no maybe not knowledge you're getting all this information from people based on maybe their experience maybe their education maybe none of the above maybe they're just like to talk and throw it out there so, when it comes to nutrition, I've always been a carb person. I eat plant-based vegan now. I've been doing that probably pretty solid for seven years and mm-hmm. I've experienced but the first time I experimented with it was in two thousand and eight, and it worked for me and then I actually went the opposite and I, I read the paleo diet for athletes. so I decided, after twenty years of being a non meat eater vegetarian, um mm-hmm. I started at red meat in my diet and I was obsessed for about six months. I don't know why. It was just some thing <laughs> I had to like go through. And then all of a sudden I'm like, why am I eating meat again? Like this doesn't make sense to me. I don't feel better. I'm gaining. I'm actually gaining weight. Um, I don't like this feeling. I'm just going to cut meat out. So when I cut the red meat out, I started cutting out all animal products. And it took me a good year to really fully cut out all the animal products and out of sight, out of mind, just don't buy it. And mm-hmm. so being vegan just works for me, but that's definitely higher on the carbohydrate end. But mm-hmm. it's clean. It's clean to me. I'm not eat. I'll eat brown rice. I'll eat whole wheat pasta, whole wheat bread. I'll, I'll choose the the healthy grains over the white flour products. I love fruits and vegetables. So it's not hard for me to get in plenty of fruits and vegetables. And if I have a treat, you know, I'm going to go have a vegan cookie or make my own vegan muffins or something like that. So it's not like I don't eat any processed sugary foods. It's just, it comes from different sources, you know, maple syrup versus white sugar. So mm-hmm. I've always been a fan of endurance athletes fueling with carbohydrates, um, cause it works mm-hmm. for me, but out of all the, you know, registered dietitians I'm familiar with that I've had on the podcast mainly that I know from Colorado because I lived there for so long, we have the Mm -hmm. same philosophy. And all the um, gurus that I know online have the same philosophy of the higher carbohydrate diet. And I think Mm -hmm. the people people who fear carbohydrates maybe are ones who tend to have trigger foods, like if they eat – something sweet they can't stop so they think all carbohydrates are bad well there's there's good ones and bad ones you know if you want to say the word good and bad but definitely (laughs) definitely um i like to recommend you have your day-to-day nutrition dialed in whatever you're eating without the training and then as you Mm -hmm. add certain volume or certain intensity of training into your day well then you might start supplementing with an energy drink or a gel or an energy bar of some sort that's something that you like to eat before during and after but don't use those energy products as your main meals of the day you know try to keep the energy Mm. products around the pre during and after training and then try to do you know whole grains lean proteins fruits and Mm. veggies as your meals
0: Okay, awesome. Yeah,
2: that's, that's pretty much what I was kind of feeling myself, because it's with those goose and gels and stuff. I always try to shy away from it as much as I can, mm-hmm. because I always feel like eating. Well, plus, I just slurping down a goo pack always almost makes me gag. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's like, I like, you know, whole food always better than, you know, something that makes me gag. <laughs>
1: right, exactly. Exactly. So when it comes to like energy drills, I still do them. I'm a vanilla person. My Mm. first energy gel was goo product at mile two of my first marathon, first Ironman in Kona, 1997. I never had a gel before in my life. That was my first time I had it. It worked for me. It was vanilla. It tasted like vanilla frosting. I, I enjoyed it Mm. relatively. And so I, I was (laughs) a goo vanilla bean goo fan for years um, after that. And then I discovered power bar products. I don't know, for some reason, power bar products worked for me. They're a little bit more processed, um, than most energy mm. products, but processed food gave me the energy I needed. So, um, I, I use power bar for a while, but over the years, because I have the experience, I've changed what I've used. Some years I go with liquid nutrition. Some years I go with solid nutrition. Some years I go with gels. It just really depends on where I'm at and what I'm craving at the time. Some years I I use real food and not not energy products. So I always recommend, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're looking for what's going to work with you, I would start looking at what's going to be offered on your race course and start Mm -hmm. experimenting with that. See if it, you see if you can tolerate it. You have a long time. You know you don't need to really work on that until about three or four months out from your race. But that's where you start because if you can use the product on the course, then you don't really have to carry much on your body or on your bike. And I'm a minimalist. I always rely what's on the course. But at the same time, I don't train with what's on the course. I, like I like mm-hmm. Gatorade when I race. I won't use Gatorade until I race. But I know it works for me. Um the product I use right now is Tailwind. I just discovered that about a year and a half ago. Um, it tastes full, it keeps me full. It's it's the liquid. And I'm really enjoying that, but I'm not going to carry bottles of Tailwind Tailwind with me um for a full Ironman. I'm going to I'm going to start with Tailwind and then go back to the water and the Gatorade on course. There's so many mm. products out there. You just have to experiment and find what works for you. Nice. And that's the joy of yeah. racing, doing those small events leading up to your big events. So you can test out a product. If it doesn't work, you test out a new product and find what works for you.
2: That's a good way to look at it. I usually try to shy away from uh, using race nutrition because I like to race with what I train with. Mm-hmm. You know, to kind of like not really. Plus, you never know how your stomach's going to react sometimes. <laughs>
1: Right. You know, things that, you know, you could have your nutrition plan completely dialed in and training and feel very confident on race day. And then there's a change in weather. It's cooler than expected or it's warmer than expected. That's going to change. That usually changes what I actually crave and want. Humidity. I like different things in humid conditions than I like in dry heat conditions. So um, having a backup plan, having multiple sources um, that you like. You know, I remember there was one year I raced, and I had actually was trained with jelly beans, um, for most of my training. So I had this, so I had this pack of jelly beans ready for me for the run. It was an Ironman, and I, I, I ran out of transition with this pack of jelly beans, and I could not stomach them. And I just threw my pack out, and I'm like, I ate too many jelly beans in training. There's no way I, I want any of them. So I risked it, r- took a risk, and I just started having um, the gels on the course, I don't even remember the names of the gels. It was definitely a brand I had never heard of or tried before. And that's what I ended up using race day and it worked for me. So I'm someone who has a very strong, um, GI track and gut that I can get away with trying new things race day. Um, uh, most people can't when it comes to nutrition. So everyone's a little different.
2: Yeah, that's That's awesome.
1: But you know you want to make sure you know your fluid needs. Um, how that's, much fluid? You that's going to be a big one. Yeah, everyone's fluid needs is a little bit different. I I always recommend so as a baseline starting point, I always recommend for like Ironman training and Ironman racing, minimum fifty grams of carbohydrate per hour. So you're gonna you, depending on your size and what you can tolerate. Up to 90 grams. Um, 90 grams is probably too high, but 50 to 60 grams an hour is going to give you that 150 to 200 calories of carbohydrates per hour. Mm. And then 20 to again, it's a large range. 20 to 40 ounces of liquid yes. per hour. Um, it depending on how hot the conditions are, but definitely you got to get in at least 20 ounces. That's a that's a water bottle per hour at least. Um, when I race, I, because of the aid stations, I take in probably 30 to 40 ounces of liquid per hour during a race because the aid stations are readily available and I don't have to stop at a Seven Eleven to buy anything while I'm out on a training ride. So that's just kind of that baseline yeah. starting point.
2: Yeah. That, that's going to be a rough one for me. So, well, I mean, kind of luckily I'll train during the Texas summer. So I'll figure that out before down there uh, oh, yeah. you know, Mexico, this. Yeah. And like my body naturally just sheds water. So it's like I sweat a lot.
1: Yeah. So a but good,
2: luckily too, I've been oh go ahead. Sorry.
1: Well, you can do your own little sweat rate test, you know. It like weigh yourself before you head out on let's say a, a big five hour training day, weigh yourself before. Um write down how much nutrition you you intake during that five hour training day and then weigh yourself after, and then you can kind of calculate um, did you have fluid loss? How much fluid, like, let's say you have more than a 2% body weight um, loss. Well, that's going to start to impact your performance. I, I don't remember if it's 2%, I can't remember the exact percentage, but there is definitely a percentage that's going to start impacting your performance. So, you know, you can calculate. Okay, I lost five pounds. That's, you know, two, per- that's three or 4% of my body weight. I need to drink more.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's a, that's a smart idea. Yeah.
1: So that's an easy way to do it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome.
1: So what were you going to say before I interrupted you?
2: Oh, I'm, I just have one of those weird stomachs where I can just keep tossing liquid on it. I don't really feel that much of a slosh.
1: Oh, good. <laughs> good, good, good.
2: Yeah. So it does, it does kind of balance itself out with lots of sweat, but no (laughs) slosh. Yeah.
1: You may have to take in um, electrolytes. I don't, I actually had a sweat rate test done in 2007. I probably have changed since then, but I found out I just don't have a lot of sweat. No, I don't have a lot of sodium in my sweat. So I'm not, I've never been a cramper, but that's why now I know why I don't, I'm not someone who tends to cramp. It's just because I don't have a lot of electrolytes loss in my sweat. I'm not a heavy sweater either. But the fact that I don't sweat out a lot of salt is a big strength of mine and my body and my metabolism. So I don't have to worry about electrolyte supplements. I get what I need from Gatorade. It's enough.
2: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. But again, another way you can test that out is do come back from a five hour ride in 90 degree humidity. Are you, are you covered in salt? Are you covered in white, you know, saltiness on your clothing or on your skin? Well, if you are, then you know, you need your, you have a lot of salt in your sweat. You should supplement with, um, some sort of electrolyte replacement.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm actually, well, that's, that's interesting. You you say that, um, I, I train in a black, uh, just running cap Mm -hmm. and like it takes, well, I mean, if I wash it for more frequently, <laughs> it takes a couple of weeks for it to build up that white, like, uh-huh. sweat mark on it. And uh-huh. So it's like, oh, that's, that's an interesting way of looking at it.
0: Yeah, yeah definitely. Cool.
1: But don't start taking stuff because someone tells you to take stuff. You know, I, yeah. I, on, on that note, you know, people tell me... Um, I need more protein in my diet. I'm like, well, how do you know? Do you keep track of it? Do you keep a dietary log? Don't just start taking in protein because someone tells you you need to take in protein. Don't start taking iron supplements because you're low on energy. Don't, you know, maybe you're low on vitamin D, not just iron. Maybe you're low on both. So I always encourage people to be careful what they what they see, especially on social media. Especially nowadays, people are in certain groups on Facebook because I hear this all the time. Well, this Facebook group I'm in says yada yada yada. I'm like, ah, you know. Think of the source. Are they professional? Are they a doctor of nutrition? You know, you just got to always remember the source and who's giving you advice. And when in doubt about any type of supplement that you think you need, go see your doctor, get a full panel blood profile test done to see what you may or may not be deficient
2: in. Yeah. Yeah. That's always good advice. (laughs) Yeah. it's,
1: It's always good, I think, for anyone to just do that, whether they think they need it or not. Just start your training year with a blood test. So if you see any, any if you're if you experience any especially fatigue state, um you have this baseline of especially iron B twelve vitamin D comes to mind. You have that baseline so you know what's happened over the course of the summer or your training phase to see if there's any changes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that is a good idea. I should definitely get that done. Yeah. Pretty soon. Good. Yeah, I'm a big numbers and metrics guy, so it's like that. That's right up my alley. Yeah.
1: <laughs> good. I just heard someone say that. Someone said that to me this morning. I'm a numbers person. I'm like, good. You're going to like learning yeah. how to use your heart rate monitor and your Garmin.
2: Oh, yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> I have. I just. uh. Well, I had to upgrade. I had a Sun 2 like years ago whenever I was training. And then I got it out. And I was like, I think they're a little bit more advanced than this. Yeah. <laughs> so I just upgraded to what is it? The Phoenix 6? The Garmin one? Uh-huh. So it's been interesting watching the heart rate data and then figuring out my exertion based on that and like where I can really keep a good sweet spot
1: yeah. uh, for running specifically. Yeah. That's it's been awesome. pretty neat. That's awesome. I like to encourage yeah. people to use the technology, heart rate data, other data to, to get to know their body and really um, tune into your rate of perceived effort because ultimately, especially mm-hmm. for an Ironman you got to you got to really rely on your rate of perceived effort. I think as well as power, I think when you ride with power, it's going to help you in an Ironman keep your power in a safe zone that you don't blow up because that's going to impact your marathon. But then by the bottom line when you get to a marathon of an Ironman, um your heart rate's going to be elevated because of fatigue or dehydration or, or or you know just other factors that you don't want that heart rate number especially during a marathon to make or break your race if you're feeling like i know i know i'm at an rpe of three to five i know i'm in a very low zone even though my heart rate's elevated don't like slow down just keep going with it while monitoring things you know i think some people are like my heart rate got i hear this i my heart rate got so high on the hill i walked and i'm like did you walk because your your legs are tired? Or did you walk just because your heart rate was high? I mean, to me, I, I never walk hills. I, I, I don't know. Maybe we're talking like 19 years ago. I decided I'll never walk up a hill unless I'm injured. <laughs> so I'm a huge yeah. proponent of not walking hills. Even even those hills that you may not be faster running, you will probably the same speed if you walked or run. I'm still a proponent of mentally, I'm going to tackle the hill and I'm going to run up it. And I'm, I don't care what my heart rate's telling me. I'm going to run up the hill unless I can. <laughs> I think using numbers as guidelines are great. And I'm, I'm a proponent of using them as guidelines, but ultimately you got to rely on feel. I just think that's so important. Oh yeah, And keep a training log. We haven't talked about a training log, but even though you have a training plan and you're self-coached with the training plan, you should keep your own personal training log for yourself. Like with subjective details, you know, record your sleep, record, you know, generally your nutrition. Um, how you're feeling, your stress level, because ultimately you can look back on your training log and learn from it and say, you know, kind of understand more about what's working, what's not working. So then you can take the training plan, revise it a little bit with a new fitness level, new training zones, um, pace, heart rate, power, whatever you're going to use. And then you can repeat it and use it again.
2: Yeah, I've been uh, recently, well, I said not recently, but it's been interesting watching uh, the sleep habits with uh, the perceived effort. Mm hmm. Uh, so it's like, if I get more sleep or usually around like a seven and a half hour sleep schedule, Yeah. it's, I can usually wake up and pull, you know, an hour and a half workout in the morning and then go lift in the evening yeah. and usually not really hit that dip. But if it's anything less or more than it's like a wonky,
1: <laughs> that's good observation. That's really important to know. Sleep, sleep is the best recovery. Um, it's free. You can get sleep. You can monitor your sleep. You can control your sleep to some to extent. Sometimes you can't, but I, I still believe for the most part, you can control how much sleep you're getting. And that's just only going to impact your recovery. The more you recovered you are, the better you're going to build fitness because you build your fitness um, in that repair phase. And that recovery phase is where you're going to make the fitness gains, not just the training. You need to recover from the training. Stress plus rest equals growth.
2: Yeah, I guess off the top of my head, it's like, so you're a coach, how that, and I, I mean, I purchased the self-guided one or whatever, mm-hmm. so how would that be, well, how would a coach, like, augment that? So, or, or is coaching just, you know, you don't use that plan and you use the coach because it's more personalized, or? Right, so. I'm just, I'm new to that, like,
1: right, so, you know, the
2: coaching, that I, well, I've done I've been an athlete in the past, so this is new.
1: (laughs) So my main, my main thing is, um, a training plan, like, a like a 32 week plan or a 16 week plan, any training plan that you're going to purchase and you're going to get the whole thing all at once. That's a guide for the self-coached athlete, meaning you Hmm. have this plan. We provide in our, in our particular plans, we provide videos, blogs that we wrote articles, and, and educational material within the plan to to keep you on track and 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 the nutrition stuff I've talked about, I have a podcast in the plan with um a registered dietitian that gives the same advice oh. as I do. That's why I give the advice because I trust her. And it works for me. So, um you're taking the plan and you're deciding how to manipulate it. You know, mm-hmm. maybe the plan, I think, has Mondays off well maybe Mondays off doesn't work in your schedule maybe Wednesdays off does maybe Fridays off does and, and so you're making that choice to say this is the plan but I have to restructure some things to to make it fit my life and
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know you're making the choices and the decisions well I'm going on a two-week vacation or I was sick for two weeks or something happened what do I do I miss two weeks you I'm saying you have to decide what you're going to do. But a lot of people actually who purchase our plans will email me and say, hey, what do you recommend? I had an injury. I was off for a month. How do I ease my way back into the plan? Of course, I'm going to help you out, Um, especially in the whole sickness. I had two weeks off. Are you are you on week four of the plan and you had two weeks off, or are you on week twenty four of the plan and had two weeks off? My advice for you is going to be a little bit different depending on where you are in the in the plan in the season, but you're making those behind the scene choices. Now, whether now a coach um, is going to build a plan tailored towards your goals, time available to train, and experience, and so usually what I do is. I, I develop a plan like every two weeks, you know, based on athlete feedback, based on what's going on in the athlete's life, based on what they are able to accomplish and not accomplish. Um, If they tell me they're going out of town in a month, well, I'm going to develop a plan knowing ahead of time, they're going to be out of town in a month for a week. That's going to be their rest week. They can only run or they can only swim or they can only bike. So let's pile on a little bit more biking or running because they can only swim at that during that time. So we're, we're tailoring it structuring it towards the athlete it's very athlete centric meaning we work together the athlete and myself as a coach to create the plan that's best going to fit you around your life schedule and the accountability we, we you are attached to my training peaks account you're logging um, you're logging the subjective feedback the data i'm analyzing the data i'm answering your questions i'm following up with you You know, like, hey, I noticed you haven't logged anything in a week. What's going on? Is everything okay? Did you just forget? Or something going on that you just have been sick and you haven't had any desire to let me know because you're so sick or you forgot to tell me you were out of town or I forgot you were out of town, you know. So there's definitely more communication (laughs) from um, having a personal coach. Does that make sense?
2: Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it totally does.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, you can also take – Someone like you, you have this 16 week pl- or um, 32 week plan. If you wanted to hire myself or someone else to say, okay, I want to follow this plan, but how can I get a little bit more personalization using mm-hmm. the same plan? Well, then someone like me could say, okay, attach your Training Peaks account to mine. I can follow up with you. You know, we can just keep this 32 week plan. This is generally what you're going to be following. But if you want a little bit more coaching involved, I would follow up with you, and in that way, and, and kind of just it's becomes more of an accountability coach to say, I'm not necessarily rewriting the structure of the plan, maybe just changing some things around for you, but I'm I'm your accountability partner where I'm saying. You know, why did you do this instead of this? Or, hey, why didn't you get this done today? Is it too much? Did you just not have time? Did you oversleep? Did you overeat? You know, i am it's the questions. I ask a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> so does that make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. That's cool.
1: Yeah. You know, I have some people who follow one of our plans who aren't ready for personalized coaching, but we'll do more one-on-one coachings through the Skype. You know, we'll set up a phone call every month to say, okay. You're following the plan that you purchased, but let's review each month. Let's review what you've done and haven't done, answer your questions, provide the educational component to it.
2: Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it totally does. Because I, I was always curious about that since um, I'm, I am usually do like that lone wolf approach. It's uh-huh. like, that's how I've transferred all my races, all my marathons, like all that. Just like, oh, I have this program and I usually do like... Even if I'm tired, it's like, I'll just go out there and crank it out. But it's like always falling to the T. So it's, it's interesting to like see that there's actually, you know, coaches like yourself out there to help with, you know, knowledge, accountability and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the main thing about people hire coaches um, for the education and the accountability because they just don't know where to start. They don't just don't know. They don't know what they don't know and they're willing to invest in it because it's a priority to them or they're just not getting it done. They're like, oh God, I keep purchasing all these plans but I'm just not getting it done. Not because they don't understand it because they don't have anyone following up. They don't have anyone along on their journey with them to you know, follow up and make sure they're doing it.
2: Um, no, not that I can think of. You're very clear on you know, my questions and it's been fun. So.
1: <laughs> oh, good, good yeah well you know enjoy enjoy the fall enjoy the holiday seasons coming up um stay healthy stay active make sure you do strength training (laughs) it's another thing we didn't talk about yeah make sure you do strength training core hips um functional stuff to keep you healthy injury free make sure you do that year round and um you'll have a great season
0: Great interview with Bradley, and good luck with your training leading up to uh, Cozumel. So, Wendy, if someone wants to have a consult with you and maybe even be showcased on the show, how do they do that?
1: If someone purchases one of our tra- training plans on tra- Training plan- heeks, they can contact me. If they leave us their email when they purchase the plan, I will also contact them. We can set up a thirty-minute phone or Skype consultation. Obviously, like Bradley's, it can go longer than thirty minutes. If you're someone out there who has purchased our training plan in the past before we offered the consultations and you want to do a consultation, maybe you want to connect with me and tell me about your race. And we can do like a race report one-on-one, what worked, what didn't work, and kind of how to progress from there. And even if you're just someone who's interested in possible coaching, you might be interested in one of our training plans but aren't really sure yet, contact me. I'd love to talk to you.
0: And Wendy, you've got a, a big uh, weekend planned. I know you're not necessarily, well, I, I don't want to assume that you're not going to watch the Super Bowl, but I know you have an event scheduled over Super Bowl weekend.
1: I don't even know who's in the Super Bowl. I don't know. I don't follow. I have not followed football at all this year. But I am going, I'm headed to Red Top Mountain, which is which is a local um, trail event, the Red Top Rumble. This will be my fourth year doing it since I moved to Georgia, maybe maybe it's my third. I think it's my fourth. And the last two years, they claim it's been the same course. The first year I did it, I nailed it. Just looking at my times actually. And I'm like, wow, I nailed it that first year. I guess naiveness can go a long way. And then the next two years, I took the wrong turn at two different areas of the course. Last year I was leading and towards the end, I don't know, maybe less than a half mile, less than a mile to go, probably three quarters of a mile to go. I was coming up this hill and I just, I just, I just went, I went to the right. I was supposed to go to the left. And I ended up at the aid station on the wrong side of the aid station. And the, every, the aid station volunteers are like, where did you come from? And I said, the trail, they go, no, you did. You're supposed to come up from this trail. And I said, well, I mean, I'm still here. I made it up here. They go, "No, you did the wrong course. You have to go back." And I debated what to do for like 2 or 3 minutes. And I was so frustrated. And all it took for them was to say cuz I told them I go, "Just finish. I'll tell the race director I didn't do the right course. I'm disqualified. I just want to be done hmm. because I I had made the wrong turn the year before that." And then all they had to say is, "No. We want you to do the course so you can get the finisher's medal. And I'm like, okay. So I had to go back. I added, I don't know, added a half mile or two or or a mile, a half mile up to a mile. Did the course, finished, went from first. I think I got like eighth or ninth, maybe 10th or 15th. I don't remember. Anyways, (laughs) I'm here for revenge. I'm going to do the whole (laughs) course. I'm going to do it correctly. And (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to accomplish what i set out to accomplish and it happens to be on super bowl sunday
0: well we're going to get a great recap after this coming weekend can't wait by the way it's a kansas city chiefs and the san francisco 49ers and uh i'm predicting the the chiefs will win so there you go thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode 329 Love to hear from you uh, either in the T2 Endurance Club on Facebook. It's a closed group, but um, we'd love to have you aboard. Email us anytime, endurancehour at gmail.com. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, we can showcase on the program, speakpipe.com slash endurancehour. Something you can leave from your phone or your your computer. There you go. Uh, For Wendy Mady, I'm Dave Erickson. Have a great week of training, racing, or recovery. Go Chiefs. We'll see you next time. Adios. Don't let me hear you say life's taking you nowhere.
2: Angel. Look at the sky, life's begun. Lights are warm and the days are young.
0: There's my feet, I lost that's soul.
1: You. opening doors and pulling some
2: strings, angel, come love the baby, In walk luck and you looked in time, never the back, walked all act fine.